Welcome to My Boomer Buddies Podcast, where my boomer buddies tell it like it was and is. We're just uh, like the old guys we used to listen to in the diner, sitting in the same booth every day, telling tall tales and offering up words of wisdom. Well, guess what? We're the old guys now, and we've got our own podcast, and we hope you will find our banter fun, entertaining, and at times, enlightening. Hi, I'm Rick Reed, and I'm the host of this show, My Boomer Buddies Podcast. And today, we're going to spotlight one of the Boomer Buddies. He's my awesome, great friend. I've known him for 47 years, I think it is now. His name is Bill Neuenfeld. Let's just start off with who you are, your background. You know, we don't have to go through all 66 years of it, but your background and how we met. Let's start with that. I came from a middle-class family suburbs of Minneapolis, youngest of three kids. Um, Dad was a salesman. Mom was mostly a homemaker, but worked part-time. And uh, they're Depression-era folks, they were. And I'm, uh, I guess, as we say, a boomer. So, But uh, my background, uh, just went to high school in Minneapolis area, went to college out at the University of Minnesota Morris, where I met our host, Rick, and uh, formed a great friendship uh, with he and a bunch of other really good guys as part of a close-knit group, and we've stayed in touch for a long, long time. And uh, so who I am, I'm a pretty much financially conservative and socially liberal guy, although I don't get too liberal, but uh, I enjoy a good time. I have a positive mental outlook and uh i'm just a working class guy i worked most of my life as a salesman and i'm fortunate enough now to have changed to a career in aviation which is uh we maybe talk about that later but uh aviation's red hot right now so uh, lucky enough to be doing that so you covered that pretty well billy Uh, i think the common bond with all us boomer buddies even though we didn't necessarily grow up in the same community we had similar experiences where the neighborhood, you know, uh, back in the day, you could go out and play. You didn't have a cell phone you're looking at all day. You'd go play. You'd find things to do. Uh, you'd come home when the streetlight came on, right, Billy? And uh, <laughs> don't be the, uh, the thing on I the like, street when the streetlight came on. Yeah, yeah. You just you get you got to get home, and then sometimes you stayed out a little later. But uh, the other thing is. The other parents in the neighborhood, they were able to, you know, straighten you out if you needed it. If the group was getting out of line, like throwing rocks or something at houses and windows, and they'd come out and yell at you, you know, they, there wouldn't be a lawsuit against them for, you know, making sure you're doing the right thing. And uh, back then, there's a lot of common sense um, that we, we tried to follow, and they tried to impress that upon us. So I, uh, I, I knew your parents, great people. WC and Marguerite really enjoyed them and um, they raised some, some good kids and you were the youngest in the family. You were the baby. So, and I'm the oldest, so (laughs) there's a little difference in the orders, you know, but the bottom line is we, we were all raised pretty well. We weren't angels by any means, right? Our halos were tilted a little bit, but we always, yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh Yeah. 
but you know what with trouble you learn lessons right and then sure. hopefully you don't repeat them and but we always knew where the center was we knew where we had to get back to you know common decency and all that stuff i think i think it all goes back to the community itself not just individuals but the community itself had a mm -hmm. great moral compass and uh everybody followed that great moral compass there were a few outliers but i don't think we have that as much today everybody has their own reality today well i know we've we've had private discussions you know recently yeah we've had we've had discussions about this how it's easy to hide behind that keyboard on your phone sure. or on your computer you sound pretty brave and you can make some outlandish statements and try to feel good about yourself but you know what you got to be accountable and with the community you can be accountable right yep so we need to get back to that common sense accountability and that's one thing about my boomer buddies that i want to say we are all accountable to each other us buddies you know back in the day if we were getting out of line you know you might get a little smack in the back of the head like hey don't do that. Don't, don't do that. Don't do it. What would mug say? <laughs> and My by mother. the way, uh, I know Rick's parents are new. Uh, uh, God bless his soul. The big Dick, uh, and mugs. So great people. In fact, they took me in for a brief period when I was uh, in transition in, uh, in post college employment. And so, uh, yeah, so I've lived in their home for, uh, you know, for a time. So a wonderful place, oh, by the way. And it, it was great. Six kids, right? Two parents and Newt. Bill. Bill's nickname is Newt. Um, yeah. And my siblings still talk about you living there. Um, can you imagine? I'm sure you can, you boomers that are listening. You got all those people under one roof and one bathroom, one shower, right? So old Bill, you know, he's staying at our house. He's downstairs, you know, and he sees there's plumbing down there with a spigot, you know, a shower head that goes into the drain, you know, by the laundry area. So Bill, tell tell the audience what you did. Typical well, we, Bill Newenfeld move. We created a shower downstairs. We put up a ring hung a plastic curtain on rings uh, on the pipe, on the ring of pipe and a shower head. And my gosh, we had ourselves a downstairs shower. It worked actually quite well. And then mugs, yeah. mugs, Rick's mom, mugs went to scheduling. And I mean, you had a time. Here's your time. Here's your time. Here's your time. You got in then you got out. Then there was no worried about, Oh, I need my privacy. I need my time. It was in and out, and we were all in it just for the functionality of it all. Yeah, and, and I remember that you got a small pallet to put over the drain, you oh, know, so we right. didn't have to stand on the floor. You got a small that's pallet, right. and it was just genius. You know, listeners out there, and we want you to feel like a family, part of the Boomer Buddies family, part of the neighborhood. Um, that's typical of what Bill does. He he makes it better for everybody else. He, he's just got a great mind. Uh, he's a real character too. We're going to have him tell the joke in a little bit. But uh, again, this is a spotlight episode for Bill Neuenfeld, also known by a lot of people as Newt. 
And speaking of a lot of people, everywhere you go, somebody seems to know Bill. Okay. It, it's just crazy. They, he knows them from somewhere. Or he knows somebody. He can schmooze, start up conversations with anybody. And it could be seemingly like you just go go to the store in a, in a different town and he'll just start schmoozing with the cashier. And all of a sudden they have a common person they know. And then it's like they've been friends forever. That's Bill Neuenfeld. You have a, you have a gift. One of the nice things about the internet, one of the nice things, is they say it reduces the degrees of separation. In mm. other words, because of the internet, we have a larger network, and our when our networks rub up against one another, we can figure out where they rub up against one another. Used to be no internet, no social media, none of this. I could say to someone in Fort Lauderdale, that I knew so-and-so in Fort Lauderdale and they probably wouldn't know them. But now it's easier to find those people that you know, or find where you've rubbed up together with others, creating some commonality. And if you take that to the in-person experience, you already have a friend even better. Win-win. Exactly. Well, we've always been impressed uh, with the people you've known and do know. And, uh, in fact, I'm going to tell a little story here about Bill. I bought my second house in a suburb of Minneapolis. It's called Plymouth. I had been living for four years in a little bungalow in South Minneapolis, me and my my dog. And uh, so bought this house out in Plymouth, split entry, you know, bachelor pad, downstairs unfinished, Had plan, had plans to finish that off, but... Closed on at August 15th, 1991. And I, I got a couple of sparse things moved in. Well, Bill's town ball team was in the state tournament. And he decided to invite half his team to spend the night at my house. So all the floor <laughs> space was taken up. I didn't even get to take the first bathroom visit in my own house after I closed. <laughs> But but that's what friends do. Oh, it's a memorable story, and they oh, they I don't know where was the it was south of here about an hour or where where was the tournament at? I don't even remember. I think it might have Not been. Important. In, yeah, it was down near Northfield somewhere. I, yeah, not uh, important. Yeah. It, this was a gateway from uh, where your town team was from to get there, and yeah. uh, Bill just said, "Yeah, we can stay at Dick's." Oh, that that's a nickname for me too, Dick. You know, <laughs> we all have nicknames. Well, he's new good, and I'm Dick. And it's hopefully like the uh, good ones. Hopefully the good nicknames stick, right? <laughs> hopefully. We hopefully. shed the bad ones. So they stayed at Dick's. They stayed at Dick's yeah. and uh, I was happy to do it. But it's just ironic that, uh, you know, that new car smell, whatever you want to call it, you know, I, I shared uh, it with everybody. But uh, yeah, that, it's that funny fun. when you tell a story like that, others pop up in my mind. Let's you go. Know, you start. That's why we're here. I still remember that you and Vickstrom got tickets to Stevie Ray Vaughan at, uh, at Alpine Valley. Yeah. Uh, and you said, we got tickets for us, Newt. And I'm like, oh my God, this will be great. Well, in town ball, we all play for the playoffs. I mean, sure. Playoffs. I mean, sorry, but if our wedding day was on a playoff baseball game day, I probably wouldn't get married. I don't know. Of course, I've been divorced three times, so 
don't rely on me for advice. But anyway, um, I couldn't make it. I was just bummed out. But Dick and Vic went to Alpine Valley and saw Stevie Ray. Concert was over. Wow, what a wonderful concert. Great concert. The helicopter lifts off. Stevie Ray crashes. That's the end of Stevie Ray. So these guys got yep. to see Stevie Ray's last performance. And uh, it became a very epic, epic performance for that reason. Yeah. Um, by the way, that was a, an amazing group that played that that night at Alpine Valley. That's in Wisconsin, by the way. So we went over from Minnesota over there. It's an outdoor amphitheater setup. It's it's ideal for music, and the people on the on the bill that night was a guy by the name of maybe you know him, Bill Eric Clapton. Oh, Jeff Healy. Wow. wow. Yeah, Jeff Healy was on there. Robert, that'll come to me in a minute. But Stevie Ray and his band Double Trouble, three guys, they make the best music or they made the best music. They blew everybody off the stage, even Clapton. Robert Cray was the other one. So you got oh, all these wow. blues people. Yeah. Jeff wow. Healy. Jeff Healy was amazing. You know, he's blind. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and he plays on his lap, you know, plays it backward, you know, with his fingers backwards on the frets. But he was standing up, you know, kind of leaning and playing. And everybody got into it. But there's something about Stevie Ray that night that was magical. Hmm. And then, like you said, you know, after the show, fog, boom, yeah. side of the hill, Alpine Valley. Let that be a lesson to all of us. Live your every day like it could be your last. Enjoy right. your days. Right. And uh, there's other stories that came out of that, too. But, uh, I, you know, wow. <laughs> we'll save all that for Amazing. another time. But the part, part of what we do, Boomer friends out that are watching and listening, is music is a big part of what we went through. And to this day, we still enjoy music. And it, it was a common bond. And we all like different kinds of music. And I just want to explain here on this podcast we're going to spotlight the other Boomer buddies. He mentioned Dan Vickstrom, Vic. He'll, he'll, he's one of the buddies. He'll be on an episode. And Joe Chesley's another one, Ches. He'll be on an episode as well. And you're going to get to know these guys and, and feel like they're friends, great friends who'll do anything for you, just like I feel for them. So mm -hmm. let's talk a little bit more to Bill Neuenfeld, a.k.a. Newt. Uh, we played college baseball together, had some good times doing that, and there's – Stories that I don't know if we should tell right now, anyway, uh, about that. <laughs> you know what comes to mind right away, but go ahead. Yeah, the, the three University of Minnesota Morris Station wagons going to Fergus Falls. Yeah, yeah. Well, stay tuned for another episode for that one. Is the statute wanna... of limitations up already? Well, we don't. We don't want to. <laughs> we don't want to wreck things right away. Right out. Right okay. to get go. We don't. Not at the get go. Um, right. One thing I want to talk to you about is um your first car i don't even think i know what your first car was because boomers always had a first car they were proud of it seems my like. first car that i owned myself was a 1962 chevy 2 nova and uh when i bought it the floorboards were completely rusted out so mm -hmm. i went to to cutting some of that rust out and then i took some galvanized steel and just yeah. pounded it into place and put some sheet metal screws through it. 
and uh, got got it to where you could uh, you know the, the floor pans were fine and you could drive it and the tires were bald as bald can be it, it was a four door and uh and i was dating a girl up in, in uh, uh, uh one of the rural communities out in uh, west central minnesota at the time and her dad saw these tires that were just bald and he bought me a set of tires of course that was when you oh. bought bias ply tires for a car yeah. like that and yeah. they were like 20 bucks a piece or 25 dollars. i think he bought the whole set for a hundred and a quarter mounted and balanced you know but i was living at large a three in the tree six cylinder 1962 chevy two nova was kind of a dusky green you know uh, uh, uh army greenish and uh, man i was i was living it and i drove that thing for i don't know probably a couple of years and i ended up selling it for three times what i paid for it Okay, two so, questions. How, yeah. how much longer did you date that gal? That question is incompetent, irrelevant, did, uh, and immaterial. Did the uh, dad get to uh, hang out with you enough to make that worthwhile? Or <laughs> Well, we dated for probably another six months, maybe. Hmm. And uh, she was a year younger than me. So uh, we were, we were uh, it was the summer of my, co my uh, college year. It wasn't even six months. It was probably three months. And she went off to school, found her, another boyfriend. And um, and I sold the car then. And I found another car then as a result of uh, back in the day, if you were a minor child under the age of 21, and I don't know if you had to be in college or not. I think you did. And your parent primary parent father was on social security you also could get a check from social security so really? my dad turned six yeah i was a again the youngest of a bunch right i think i ended up at the time getting a check for like 350 dollars a month for about a year and a half and when that came available out went that old chevy too i sold it and i bought me a uh mercury bobcat wagon wood woody woodside yeah oh, i was living at large oh yeah put a big stereo <laughs> in it i had home speakers in the back end all you had to do was open that hatchback tailgate turn those speakers around and you had yourself a party man well let, yeah, let's talk so. about parties you know and college parties were keggers oh. mainly right you'd go to a field somewhere you know you'd, you'd turn the speakers on in your car and uh yeah yeah, Man, so, when we got to college, you could have a kegger on the floor in the dorm. In the dorm. 18 was a legal drinking age. Just yeah, don't get out of hand. And we didn't really. I mean, it never really got out of hand. So, eh, uh, On my <laughs> okay. floor, yeah, somebody threw a mattress out the window, third floor. Oh, boy. And uh, we had kind yeah. of snuffed out uh, having one on, on in our, I don't know if it's the dorm or floor, but... Yeah, we ended up, uh, for the listeners and viewers, we ended up joining a fraternity together, too. And, and keep in mind, when we say fraternity, it's not like a large school where you got fraternity row. We had us and then the other fraternity. And generally speaking, it was a place for uh, young lads to get together and live together and, and uh, have an excuse to 
party and and also just with our fraternity we we just we're well-grounded guys you know who got a little crazy well, sometimes but overall we were pretty good dudes we we partied but there was a lot of academic exchange in our fraternity uh we had some i mean i was I, I wasn't the brightest bulb in the fixture you know and yeah, uh, well, a lot of these guys really helped me you know hmm. so well get i think college me get me educated you know <laughs> We'll talk about Arkansas in a minute. Okay. You're throwing in your, <laughs> you're throwing in your accent there, but uh, mm-hmm. we'll tell that story in a minute. But I, I just want to say that uh, when I went to college, you had to take uh, freshman comp, which is an English course where you have to write research papers, right? Well, the high school I went to was Wayzata high school, great teachers, but let's, let's just say that, uh, when I went there, English, traditional English was an elective. You could take other things to get by, like youth and dialogue, where you sat around in a circle and you talked to each other. They used to call it rapping, you know, before rap music, the rapping yep. meant to talk. Yep. So we would talk. Or you could take survival, which meant you could scale off the roof of the high school building and go down the wall. You know, that was all part of the English department, as I remember. So being a knucklehead, I took the easy way out, you know, you know, being a baseball player. Why not? You know, who, you know, I, I got by in high school. I, I could have applied myself better, but I want to say the teachers were fantastic. I really loved the teachers from my high school back in the day. But if I had to go back, I wish somebody would have impressed upon me to take traditional English, which brings me to college. All right. Write a research paper. A what? You know, you, you have to what? be able, you have to research it and you have to, you know, give uh, uh, credits to, you know, resources. And right. What? <laughs> so I had help from one of my fraternity, well, a couple of my fraternity brothers helped me figure out how to do a research paper. And I actually was able to do a good job with it once I found out how to do it. But uh, th- I give thanks to the brothers, you know, in our frat. So, well, just quickly, we had a class in high school, which had a real lot of value. And of course it goes to our love of music called Mm -hmm. poetry in song. And we had this old hip, or we had an old hippie, Carrie George taught it. And, uh, we'd walk in the class and every class was a bit of research or uh, a talk about a particular song. And as you can imagine, there was a lot of protest era songs. There was a lot of societal messages being uh, pushed across by a lot of the musicians. And so it was really great. Uh, As you can imagine, some of the highlighted uh, 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 artists were Bob Dylan, uh, Buffalo Springfield, uh, you know, the people that were talking about what was going on in our country. So it was great. That was a really great poetry and song. Yeah. And yes, so no for, English composition for Newt. <laughs> <laughs> or for Dick. Yeah. So the only thing we couldn't do, the only thing we couldn't do before class was smoke a fatty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway. that's funny. At our, at our school, not a fatty, you know, 
not weed or anything, but if you smoked, there was a designated area you had to go to to go smoke. It's not like they said yep. you can't smoke. You yep. know, they say they have that too. Yeah. Do it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I want to take uh, at this point right here. Um, I want everybody listening and watching that are getting to know me and, and Billy um, to be able to comment. Uh, we want your feedback and uh, just if you have some stories that we may be stirred up in you, or if you just want to uh, react to what we're saying, please email us at my boomer buddies for the number four, my boomer buddies for at gmail.com. And uh, I'll share it with the guys and, and uh, we'll answer whatever you, you uh, put forth to us. So again, that's my boomer buddies for the number four at gmail.com. I want to thank you for joining us. That was my Boomer Buddies podcast spotlight on Bill Neuenfeld. That's episode one. Episode two will follow in about a week or so. You can find us on Spotify, Google, and Apple platforms. Thank you for listening. Until next time, we'll see you around the block.